hellfire is surrounding the disbelievers. Okay. A person needs to go no further except to go outside and to look into the sky uh, during the day and to uh, feel the heat uh, from the sun and to realize that the sun is a ball of fire. fire. Every day it is surrounding the disbelievers. Every day it is in the sky, passing by. The sun is hellfire. My dear sister Tiffany. Thank you for having me back today. God bless you. Thank you for being here. So today we want to talk about the hereafter and specifically about heaven and hell, this concept in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Uh, all religions in general. Uh, they have an emphasis on the hereafter and they all sought to answer that question where is it that we go after we die and pretty much most of them um, have a system that is just one or two few odd exceptions if you're going to add in there um, some afro-brazilian religions and things of the sort but for the most part all of them have this idea that if you do good in this world you are rewarded in the next okay. that there is a next whether that next appears in the form of reincarnation um, as is in buddhism or or hinduism or the next is a place which is called heaven or hell um like in judaism christianity and islam in Judaism, um, there's not a whole lot of literature or writings about the concept of heaven and hell. There's not too much about it. Uh, but we do know that uh, they considered that the dead would go into the belly of the earth. And there's many examples of this. And even when uh, Saul uses the um, the witch, the necromancer, to summon the soul of Samuel, she summons him out of the earth. Mm. Okay? And we do know also that uh, Jesus, who was living, um, you know, in, in Judea, he was living in, in Israel, and he was a Jew, that he did believe in a heaven and a hell, and he talked about it extensively. And the Jews that followed him, they accepted this and for that reason it is fair to say that the concept of heaven and hell existed with jews uh, in jerusalem and in the surrounding areas way before uh, jesus christ yeah. we know that the there's a word that jesus used um, to describe hell and that was jahanna uh, which later in arabic is jahannam and jahanna was actually a place that he had pointed towards when he was talking to hell with his disciples. And he was saying that the souls would burn uh, in the hereafter that were evil uh, in Jehenna. And uh, this area was a gigantic garbage dump that uh, was always set on fire to burn the trash. 
And so this concept of fire being associated uh, with the place of hellfire, you know, was one that was evident and present in Christianity. And that term that is uh, so well known in Islam also originated uh, with Jesus Christ, if not before him, but that's the first time that we really see it uh, being used, um, you know, in, in, in basically in modern literature. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. It is interesting. And uh, Jesus also spoke about the heavenly realms. And we do have in the Gospels a description of a place uh, in the book of Revelation where uh, the throne of God exists. And next to him is uh, the Lamb. And surrounding the throne, uh, there are these cherubim, these angels, which we spoke about in a previous uh, episode. And then you have these 24 elders, which there's not much that's said about them, but we'll go into them in a future um, topic. But basically, uh, yeah, there are. there's also this description of this heavenly host or these... Um, uh, angels that that exist um, in the heavens up above uh, alongside the father and jesus yeah okay yes and the idea is that man when he disobeys god uh, he deserves to go to uh, the place of jahanna um, the place of hellfire as a punishment because nobody who has sin on him can exist in a place that is meant for perfection and for the obedient, right? And so in order for a person to go and be, be in the presence of God, he has to uh, get rid of, of this uh, sin. Mm-hmm. Now, people, they contemplated and they wondered uh, for uh, forever, for as long as uh, mankind had these ideas or the, as long as the prophets and the messengers spoke about these realms or these places, uh, they contemplated and they guessed over the location of uh, heaven and hell. Okay, well, where are these places? And a, a, in, in Judaism and Christianity, the implication uh, seems to be that hellfire is in the belly of the earth, that it's in the inside. Um, and there's the reasons for that are certain narr- narrations or verses that that imply that the souls of the damned get swallowed by the earth and they're stuck within uh, the belly of the earth. And we see that some of the villains also, when they were uh, sent away or go to hell, that they're swallowed uh, into the earth like Korah. For example, who um, you know was yeah. opposing uh, Moses and and his uh, party. Yes. And we spoke also about how uh, when Saul summoned the soul of Samuel using the necromancer, uh, that she summons him out of the uh, belly of the earth. Mm-hmm. And we do have literature that's outside of the New Testament and the Old Testament that speak about the concept of the harrowing of hell, which is a really extremely fascinating uh, story and concept. And it is the idea that 
so when Jesus got crucified in Christianity, yes, you know, it says basically that he goes into the belly of the earth. Yeah. For how how long? For three days. For three days. Yeah. And this is what it says. It doesn't really say anything else. Um, in the New Testament, it just makes this comparison between Jesus's being buried in the ground, right? Or dying um, for three days in between Jonah being swallowed by the whale yeah. for three days. Yeah, as he said, you'll be given the sign of Jonah. And yeah, this, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then later on, people sought to explain the events that took place in the absence of Jesus during these three days. Would you like to share that story? Um, yeah, just that he descended, uh, as you said, he descended into the pits of hellfire and he basically he unchained the, the, the people there. So he set them free. Um, and then he came, came back and this is when, uh, he makes his reappearance. Um, yeah. yeah. So the so, souls so, were set so free. They, so they, decided, they thought to themselves, okay, well, what was Jesus doing there during these three days? So then they came up with this story. And uh, the, the narrations state that basically Jesus, after he dies, he descends and he goes into hell. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because if heaven is up, yeah. then hell has to be Below, down. Yes. Yeah. And for them, they didn't know that the earth was round back then. They thought that the earth was flat. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. So down must mean not space underneath the planet but it must be down into the belly of the earth. Okay. Because for them, you know, you, you can keep going forever to the left, you can keep going forever to the right, and, um, you know, there's land, so up is sky, down yeah. is earth. Yes. So where's hell? Hell must be down, it can't mm -hmm. be up. So where is down? Down is in the belly of the earth. This is where this concept of hell being downwards in the earth came from. Yes, okay. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So they said that Jesus goes down and he basically smashes the doors, the gates of hell open. Why? Because, because before him, everybody who did not believe in the resurrected Jesus, according to Christian theology, um, they had no chance because the only way that you can go to heaven is if you believe in Christ because he says, I'm the way, I'm the life. Yes. And they had already issued fatwas and said the, that, that this is the only way. Anybody who doesn't, it goes to hell. And even in Catholicism, unbaptized babies, babies that are not baptized, where do they go, Tiffany? Hell. They go to hell. Yeah. All right. So for anybody to go to heaven, they have to be baptized in Christ. Okay. And then this caused a problem and a question. Okay, well, what about all of our ancestors that came uh, before? Okay. What happened to them? Yes. Okay. Well, naturally they're in hell, right? Yeah. Because, well, then, okay, well, what happened to the prophets and the messengers? Well, even the prophets and the messengers in the, in some of the Christian narrations, uh, all of those who came before Christ, um, they got stuck somewhere in the belly of the earth, uh, not necessarily in the pits of hell, but they definitely didn't ascend to the Father or go up to heaven, right? Yes. So they're all stuck there. And they use this idea that Samuel was in the earth okay. to show that clearly, look, he didn't ascend like Jesus ascended. Jesus is the first to ascend yeah. uh, up to heaven. And so Jesus had unfinished business that he had to take care of. 
What did he have to do? He had to go down. He had to save his ancestors. He had to pull out the souls of Isaac and Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and, and the rest of the prophets and the messengers and save everybody that didn't have a chance of being saved. Okay. So this is the explanation for that <clears throat> conundrum of, you know, two things. What, where, where was he in those three days and what happened to the souls who had come before even the pure souls? Like how, how would they have a chance at salvation? Exactly. So he goes down. He busts open the gates of hell and he offers salvation to all those who are dead. Now, all of the souls that um, basically believed in him or jumped at the chance to come out of hell or to come out of the earth, which is pretty much most of them, right? They end up being saved. And that's why in the movie of the Passion of the Christ, you have this scene where after Jesus's crucifixion, you know, Mel Gibson places, uh, there's this cut scene where it goes to hell and you find um, Satan is standing there and he's yelling. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. He's like screaming. Yeah. Why is he screaming? Because hell's empty. Yeah. All of his work, all of the people that he's been collecting, all the souls that he gathered and he placed in hell, now they're gone. Jesus came down, he emptied the hellfire. And everybody went up. Yeah. Okay. So you get the idea now. Yes. So in Judaism, hell is downwards. Yes. In the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. And heaven is up above. Yes. And the same thing in Christianity. Yeah, right? absolutely. Jesus is lifted, you know, into the sky. So yeah, naturally it would be, that's where he's being taken to the heavens. Exactly. And the Gnostics, Tiffany, they believed that the heavenly realm where uh, everybody should aspire to go to exist beyond, um, you know, the, the planets into the area where you could see all of the stars in the night sky. Okay. They believed, uh, some Gnostics believed that the, that there was this system, that there was these, there were these archons, these yeah. evil rulers of the earth that were essentially demons demons that were helpers of Azazel and that had influence over this realm, the earthly realm, and they helped Azazel build the physical um, realm and that they were basically traps. Um, they would entrap the souls from ascending to heaven and they would uh, stop the souls as they were on their way up they would question them. If the souls couldn't give them the right answers, then they must descend back down. And for that reason, the Gnostics believed that salvation cannot be attained through belief, but it had to be attained through knowledge, because it's this knowledge that you would need as you're on your way up. And when you're questioned by uh, the Archons, you would need this knowledge in order that you um, not be thrown back down to the belly of the earth. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they believed that these archons were basically the different heavenly bodies that they saw. Uh, so they believed that the sun, the moon, um, Mercury, Venus, Mars, uh, Jupiter, Saturn, these seven were the seven archons that were kind of uh, each one guards a certain doorway. Okay. And so you have to pass through these seven layers of the heaven until you reach like the eternal place of heaven where all of the stars or all of the good souls 
um, abide. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. And so they'd travel up, the moon would come, and the moon is actually an archon, so it would question the soul. If the soul answers and is manages to pass, you know, yeah. pass by it, then it still has to face these other uh, planetary bodies or heavenly bodies. That's fascinating in yeah. light of what we know um, about the celestial bodies. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's very, very interesting. You know, uh, they're beings, they're like you said, the word demon, uh, like spirits that that are like gatekeepers, essentially, of the heavens. Exactly. Gatekeepers of the heavens. And then you come to Islam and Islam uh, also has the concept and they wrote about it a lot more than the Christians and the Jews wrote about it. And the Prophet Muhammad many more of his narrations and his hadith, him and his holy household survived that, described in great detail uh, these places. Yeah. Uh, so there is another place uh, in Catholicism that's kind of like a waiting area, right? Yeah. What's it called? Purgatory. Purgatory. Yeah, it's like a middle, like a like a state of limbo for people to work off their sins that they've accumulated. Uh, yeah, yeah. In order to receive, hopefully, uh, access to heaven. And it's interesting to note that the word purgatory comes from the Latin purgatorium, and this was an area where uh, the the Romans and and. Uh, uh, when they would get drunk, that they would puke. Uh, it was a center that they would all go to, and it was a vomiting center, uh, so to speak. Mm. And so the name, because the New Testament is all written in Latin, right? Mm. Uh, so the name that was given to to this in Christian writings uh, became, it was named after this place, whereby it's a place where after a person dies, he can vomit out or you know purge your yeah, sins purge oh, interesting purge your yeah. sins right no. yeah okay so let's move on prophet muhammad he's describing heaven and hell he's speaking about them in great detail uh he's describing and the quran is describing hell as a place of eternal damnation and he's describing it as a fire yeah Okay. Yeah, hellfire. Hellfire, and he calls it Jahannam. Mm. And this uh, hellfire, when we look into the hadiths, we find that there are uh, many forms of torture and punishment that's taking place. Uh, specific forms of torture for specific sins. For example, the person who, the man who is a fornicator in some narrations and writings, his uh, male organ would be stretched out and he would be bit repeatedly by uh, certain uh, serpents of hellfire that were made for that specific, uh, you know, duty to punish the souls of the damned. Uh, a woman, for example, who's a fornicator, uh, she, in certain narrations, basically would have, um, you know, coal or burning, uh, staffs of burning fire that would be placed inside of her organs to punish her for the fornication that she had done. Um, people that used to backbite, for example, in hellfire, 
they would be gnawing and eating the flesh of their um, brothers and their sisters or people that, um, you know, human beings that they used to backbite. So they would be literally uh, eating them or their tongues would be stretched out and would be cut off or uh, tormented in, in certain ways. And this description of hellfire, it does parallel Christian writings and descriptions of hell. And we have a, an example of that in Dante's Inferno, mm -hmm. whereby Dante is describing the different circles of hell. And each circle of hell uh, yeah. belongs to a particular group of sinners. There's a, uh, there's a, a circle of hell that's for those who... Um, you know, were condemned because of gluttony. There's a circle of hell for those who are condemned because of murder. There's a circle of hell for those who are condemned because of uh, treachery and deceit, lying, right? Yes. Yeah. And similarly, uh, similar as the, you know, in the same way as the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi was speaking, uh, Dante's Inferno and other Christian writings are describing um, and even though it's a fictitious story, uh, Dante's Inferno is based on other Christian writings that are not as popular and teachings within the church from the hundreds of years before that described hell and the different layers that are that are in there. And you can see um, in the book and also in the uh, play or in the video game of Dante's Inferno how uh, they have placed also these types of punishments whereby uh, you know people that for example were in there because of eating too much or gluttony they uh, continue to eat, 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 eat until they explode or uh, different types of things they have in there also in dante's inferno a scene where in one of the lowest levels of hellfire uh, alongside with satan or right before satan you have the prophet muhammad and Imam Ali. And this is something that maybe uh, not so many Muslims know about the story of Dante's Inferno. And uh, the author, he, uh, you know, they, he wrote the story in a time or the play in a time where uh, Islam was hated and it was the arch nemesis of Europe, right? And, uh, and Christianity and the church. And uh, so it describes how the Prophet Muhammad had, had his chest split open and he was walking around and his intestines and organs are falling out. And so this was supposed to be a punishment for him because obviously he was claiming that he was receiving revelations in his chest from God, but because they said that he was a liar uh, and a false prophet, this was his punishment to walk around with his chest open and his organs uh, hanging out also because of, you know, what they deemed to be the various sexual sins that the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu had committed. And, um, and ahead of him was this man who they call him Ali, right? Uh, and, and so that, that's interesting because that, that also shows that they were not just familiar with, um, uh, Sunni Islam, but also Shia Islam. And they said that Ali is sitting there and he's basically like slapping his head for all eternity, um, you know, covering his face, weeping, saying, woe to me, you know, basically in a state of regret because he followed um, the false prophet and gave him victory. Okay. Wow. That's 
yeah. kind of shocking. Yeah. So it is shocking, but the point of displaying these stories is that both Christianity and Islam have this concept that because of the the deeds that led you into hellfire or 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 you know the nature of the deeds that led you into hellfire would play a part in the way that you are punished for all eternity okay yeah yeah display of justice essentially yeah. exactly and it's also stated that there are angels that are in hellfire actually and that are in charge of hellfire and uh, they are the ones that are repeatedly tormenting uh, those um, you know uh, poor souls who end up there um, it is possible that in in islam that souls exit out of hellfire once being placed inside and this takes place in in uh, many narrations whereby the souls uh, of the damned are interceded for by believers or by certain prophets and messengers who who make dua or ask god to uh, forgive them and then they're taken taken out and in al-haft al-sharif for example uh, there is the greater punishment and there's the lesser punishment and so uh, just like there's this concept of the hereafter in hinduism and buddhism that involves uh, a period of reincarnations in al-haft al-sharif imam al-sadiq narrates that the meaning of the lesser punishment because in the Quran, there's this mentioning of a lesser punishment and a greater punishment. Yes. And so Imam Sadiq explains that the lesser punishment are these reincarnations. Okay. Uh, or masakh, that a person reincarnates in a state of punishment or in a state as an animal uh, mainly, but he also could come back as a rock or an inanimate object or could come back as a plant or come back as a human being who is disabled or has some sort of, um, you know, really difficult life. And the greater punishment, he says, is the hellfire. Okay. And the hellfire in the Hafta Sharif doesn't last forever, but rather it lasts for, um, you know, about a maximum of 50,000 years. And then after that, uh, it's emptied out and those souls that were once in hellfire uh, end up coming back as ants and and insects and little creatures and critters uh, that crawl on the earth and then they have to work their way up again uh, into higher forms of, uh, you know, or greater forms of animals uh, until they eventually reach um, the ability to have a human body once again. So it's this cycle of, uh, it's a never ending cycle whereby hell is not exactly like the final place, final place, uh, but rather it's this gigantic school and system whereby souls are purified, um, you know, and they have to suffer and learn and, and pay their karmic debt until they eventually qualify to enter into the higher kingdoms above. Okay. okay? That's very interesting. I, I, I always thought about these things as, as, final like uh, eternal it's very interesting yeah and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of regeneration of bodies uh, that's mentioned in the narrations in hellfire uh, because the place is after all fire 
right? Yes. So it mentions how these bodies are basically um, melted and and the body regenerates once again and then uh, while as they're being tortured um, it melts once again and it's a continuous uh, process um, the drinks that exist in hellfire are quite nasty people want to drink something but they can't find anything uh, to drink so uh, the only things that are available are pus and uh, blood mm-hmm. and basically lava and things of this nature Um, which basically burns the insides of the human being. And they're begging the people of heavens, people of hellfire can always see the people of heaven. And they're begging them to, uh, you know, let loose. You have also uh, in hellfire, the people that are, uh, so there's lots of people that drag other people into hellfire. You know, and that's why the prophet warns us of the types of people that we hang out with in life. Right. Because uh, if you want to know where it is that you're going to go, you just need to look at those people that you are hanging out with, because a person is always uh, resurrected with those whom he loves or those whom, uh, you know, he uh, hangs out with. And so uh, birds of a feather flock together, in other words. And so there are people that end up being false shepherds or uh, being uh tempters so to speak and they tempt people into sin or lead them astray those people in the hell after in the in the hereafter in hellfire they end up being stomped and beaten and attacked and ripped apart by all those who are in there because of them do you understand yeah yeah so like if you have for example a a false um cult leader or 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 a um you know a non-working scholar who leads a bunch of people astray in the hereafter all those people they turn against him and they uh, participate in the punishment uh, against this uh, individual okay and then you have uh, the descriptions of paradise which is the opposite and it is described as a place of blessings where there's rivers that are flowing rivers of milk rivers of honey rivers of wine all things are acceptable in paradise uh, you have in there uh, these hodies um, that are in paradise and they their sole purpose is to uh, basically be concubines to the males who have entered uh, into paradise and um, those things which were uh, not allowed on earth become allowed in paradise yeah. you know so wine in islam is not allowed uh, on earth in the hereafter wine is allowed uh, on earth you can only take four wives in paradise you can have 70 concubines right or 72 uh, concubines yes. and in some cases uh, you know in some narrations or or schools of thought an endless amount of uh, concubines it doesn't say uh, whether or not the concubines are only for uh, men or are they also for women. And uh, Imam Ahmed Hassan, we had a conversation about this once and he clarified that the concubines are for the men and for the women because paradise is this realm whereby a person receives anything it is 
that he desires or he wants. So if there's a woman who desires or wants one of these hurain, then she can have it. And their skin is being uh, described as extremely fair. Uh, you know, in some narrations, they're described as being like pearls, extremely white, or uh, even uh, uh, even a see-through. Uh, to the point that their their bone marrow is showing, um, and their beauty is something that is uh, out of this world. So their, the beauty of the Horain, uh, the Hodes in paradise, is not comparable to any woman that exists or lives on this physical uh, earth. Uh, and they are women that, uh, in some narrations, they grow on trees, hmm. uh, and. Uh, and if we if we take obviously the the meaning of the allegory of a tree and that it is a a strong believer if the uh, as we spoke about yeah. the goal of the wise yeah. and before in some of the episodes that are on this channel that the tree in paradise or in that world represents a believer so growing on trees would be basically that are created from some of these uh, strong believers are these horain. Wow. And these Hardys had never um, come down to the earth. They'd never incarnated before. Uh, they're aware of who they're assigned to um, on the earth. It says in narrations that uh, they are always asking God that the individual, looking forward to the day that the, the individual that they're assigned to uh, passes on so that they can uh, be with them uh, over there uh, in paradise. And uh, it does, the narrations did state that the uh, females, uh, the earthly females, so women that did live on earth, that ended up in paradise, that their beauty in paradise exceeds, uh, you know, uh, by a long shot, the beauty even of the Hodes. Okay. All right. So the most beautiful people in paradise are the believers. And Abdul Hassan he states that the beauty in paradise is based on faith. So you, everybody that's in paradise is beautiful. Everybody that's in paradise is young. Uh, but how beautiful you are, uh, this depends on your faith. And that then it becomes this kind of ranking system in paradise where everybody's able to know who is the best you know, who is the highest and who is the best and who is the highest is based on the physical beauty uh, that they have. Yeah. With yes. obviously Fatima Zahra, alayhi salam, Muhammad the Prophet, uh, David, Jesus, the other prophets being like all the most beautiful creatures uh, in paradise. Can't even imagine. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Then you have this other thing in paradise, which is which is these wilden mukhalladun, these these everlasting youth, uh, these immortal boys, and uh, the immortal boys uh, uh, concept is kind of like the opposite of uh, the uh, the the hordes. Uh, it's the same thing, but the male version of it. Um, where there are these young men or young boys that are going around and they're serving alcohol or serving drinks, serving fruits, uh, performing other services, being kind of the male version of the concubine for the inhabitants of 
paradise. Okay. Okay. Uh, whether they're males or whether they're females. And so there's this uh, aspect of uh, the permissibility of homosexuality uh, that is implied in the narrations uh, as a reward for those whom would desire such a thing um, that abstained from it on earth but are allowed it in uh, paradise and uh, and it, yeah it is interesting and it's interesting too that this idea of of immortal boys is kind of also reflected in the ancient uh, greco-roman art where you find these little boys or these babies or these youth uh, that have these wings that are uh, in these realms uh, up above that Cupid ends up being uh, kind of like the archetype oh, for them. Yeah. But you have these other drawings of them. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, this, this idea didn't start with Islam, but rather it predated uh, Islam that, there are these uh, young boys that, uh, you know, yeah. exist uh, in the higher realms. And we do know that the uh, Greeks and the Romans, they did have this culture um, that they're elite and they're uh, used to basically have uh, young boys as sexual servants uh, for them. Or there would be this relationship between the teacher and between the young boy, which was sexual in nature. Um, and so this idea carries on and exists in uh, the Islamic uh, narration of paradise or heaven. Okay. And uh, these uh, young men or young boys are there, uh, obviously at the service of not just other men, but also of women. So whoever it is that desires them in the same way that the Hodes are there for whoever it is that desires them. Okay. And they also never came down to the, the earth. Okay. Now it's interesting because some narrations say that actually, the, who are these Wilden Mkhaladun? Uh, they're not actually people that never came down or creatures that were created specifically only for paradise. But these Wilden Mkhaladun are all of the um, baby babies that died uh, during before their their age of being judged, right? Mm -hmm. So, like all children that die, and they're still, uh, you know, in their prepubescent years before puberty. Um, where did they go? Uh, if they're Christians, or if they're Jews, or if they're Hindus, or if they're Buddhists. Right. Yeah. So in Christianity, uh, the answer to that, that's the same question is being posed to every religion. OK, mm -hmm. well, if somebody rejects the religion, where do they go? They go to hellfire. But what if they're a child? Yeah. Where do they go? Right. Yeah. You know, so Christians say, it. well, if they're not baptized, they go to hellfire. Yeah. The Catholics. Yes, at least exactly. do, right. And uh, they end up being, uh, you know, just creatures that are in there. Uh, and, and for Islam, that doesn't really make sense uh, that the children go to hellfire. Uh, because of that and so the answer is the opposite okay because they're actually, sinless yeah, yeah they're sinless yeah. so they go to they go to heaven okay all right but they're they're servants of heaven okay. they don't get to just enjoy heaven as like a king but rather they're still in heaven they're still enjoying it but they're servants yeah 
Okay? okay, why? Because they they didn't say the shahada, they didn't say they're sinless, and yet they didn't go through the the test of belief that that people uh, exactly. must pass through. Okay, All that's right. interesting. Yeah. And obviously, like there's many different schools of thoughts and and many different viewpoints, and they differ. Uh, you know, not everybody's going to agree on the same thing, but there are these narrations and these viewpoints that are out there in regarding uh, in regards to that. What else exists in paradise in Islam? You have fruits, um, you know, you have uh, all the different types of uh, food that the Arabs at that time would have desired that they didn't have access to. So grapes and, and, and pears and apples and, and all the watermelons, anything that was a rarity, they have it in paradise and uh, people are enticed in the Quran with these things in order that they desire to be there. Okay. The meat of birds you know and, and and animals it also exists there and it was also something that people back in the day uh, longed for and wanted and so naturally all of those things that they longed for and wanted would exist in paradise the description of paradise in the quran basically was it consisted of uh all of those things that the people that lived in the time of the Prophet Muhammad would have wanted. Yeah. They went long periods in the desert being hungry. They didn't have access to meat, right? And so meat is uh, in paradise, an abundance of it. Uh, they they lived in the desert. So fruits, I mean, uh, they didn't have too much access to it. And it's something that they would have wanted and desired along with honey and milk and all of these delicacies, all that stuff. Uh, are in the description of paradise and obviously of course uh, they desired uh, sex and that is why it is a big part of the description of paradise not because muhammad the prophet was obsessed with sex but rather the prophet muhammad was trying to tell people who were um you know desiring these things and it's the human nature to to want these things and that's why it's a, a big part of heaven it was as if the quran was telling him everything that you want exists over there okay. and Hassan, he says that if paradise if the quran was to describe in this day and age if the quran came down today in 2023 and it was to describe to the people um what exists in paradise it would come down in a different language and it would say something along the lines of you know and and in there 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 is uh there are iphones and ipads and 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 you know ferraris and and it would it would entice people with all of those things that they actually desire those physical objects or those types of foods that they desire that they don't necessarily have access to here yes, you know okay. or they can't afford to hear you know over there all of their wishes come true okay okay yeah. but yet yeah, the sex thing would continue and it would carry on because that is something that people of uh you know no matter what the day and age is they they always desire um that okay okay because a paradise that doesn't allow people to uh, that that has any sort of restrictions is not a paradise. Yes, the paradise is the is total and absolute freedom. Yeah, yeah, freedom and joy and lack of suffering and all of these things that we experience in this uh, world. Uh, it seems that from the descriptions, that paradise is opposite. Yeah. Exactly.
and people over there, uh, their hearts are free of uh, any sort of hatred or envy or anything like that. Okay. Okay. So now let's let's um, you know let's come to the the topic of where is heaven and hell? Do they have a physical location, and are they physical places? First off, we notice that all of the activities that are taking place in both heaven and hell, um, they are physical activities. Yes. There's... Drinking, eating, right? In yeah. both places. Um, being tortured, body parts, all that stuff. Physical. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's a mystery. Yeah. So that's important to know. Yeah. It doesn't really sound like something of the spirit. It rather, it seems like there there are bodies because... Hell is saying their body is regenerating, right? The narrations are saying in hell the bodies are regenerating and then they're melting and then they're coming back and then they're melting. So there's a body. Yes. Um, in heaven, they're they're enjoying things that only bodies can enjoy. Yes, true. Right? Yes, they're eating. They're, the spirits yeah. don't eat. Yeah. Spirits don't drink. Spirits yes. don't have intercourse. Yes. And yeah. so there has to be a body that the spirit goes into when it enters into paradise and a body that the spirit goes into when it goes into hellfire. Okay. It's a mysterious concept because, yeah, you think of it as, <laughs> as a spiritual realm, uh, but at the same time, the descriptions make it clear that it's not purely spiritual. It has to be physical. So, uh, yeah, where that would possibly be. Is... Well, um, when we actually look, if we take away all of the words of the non-working scholars and what they're telling us or the opinions of the scholars and we stick to what's been written um, and said by the prophets and the messengers and in the, in the Torah and in the, in the Quran and in the Bible, what, what do we find? Do we find that uh, Adam is existing in paradise before? Yes, in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden is where? It's um, the, there's like a description in Genesis where it's talking about the Euphrates and people think that it's in modern day Iraq. That's where they estimate it, that it would be from that description. Um, it's talking about the location exactly. using physical aspects. So the book of Genesis without a shadow of a doubt, um, you know, indicates that the Garden of Eden is on earth. Yes. And yeah. specifically in Iraq. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that is is quite a mysterious thing too, because as we think about paradise as not being on this earth, but Genesis is saying that it is on the earth. And there, it is saying that it is on earth. And the Quran, when we go to it, and it describes paradise, in you know, and 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 basically states where its location is, and it says, "Arduha as-samawati wal-art." Its width is the width of the heavens and the earth. Okay. A paradise or a heaven whose width is the width of the heavens and the earth. Okay, so the earth is encompassed in the... So the earth yeah. is a part of the heaven. Okay. And wow. the heaven is what is, is the skies, the space, the universe, and the earth. So everywhere, it seems, is heaven. And when we go to Al-Hafz al-Sharif and some of the mysterious sayings and hadiths that exist um, in the various books 
of the Ahl Bayt there is this description of these different worlds. Some of the narrations talk about other planets that exist that have inhabitants that are called Jabalaka and Jabarusa. And these planets are described as uh, being planets that, that the Imam is a proof over them and planets that are filled with believers and planets that have not uh, are not using the light from the sun uh, to light up their world but rather they uh, enough for them is the light of the imam oh. okay okay and uh, narrations that describe the planet itself as having its own light because everybody over there uh, is a believer. And there are other narrations that state that when the punishment came down upon some of the different nations, that the believers from those nations before the punishment came down, like the people of Aad, for example, were taken away and they were placed in one of the gardens of the Lord, right? And it's basically describing another planet, one of the gardens of the Lord that exists mm -hmm. in the universe, just like this, these planets of Jabalaka and Jabarusa. Okay. So there's this idea in the narrations that within the universe, there are these gardens, these planets that are literal gardens, like the Garden of Eden. Yes that no evil exists. Because even uh, Mufaddal ibn Omar asks, he says, he says, well, what about Satan? Does he, does he affect them over there? And the answer from Imam al-Sadiq is that they don't even know that Satan exists. Wow. Yeah. So there's these worlds of perfection that are existing, these planets, these gardens in the universe. And then there are these other planets that are... Um, planets that used to be gardens, like the planet Earth, right? Yeah. And it used to be perfect and all was good. But then because of the sin of the inhabitants of the planet, uh, they, the planet itself shifted from being a paradise or the Garden of Eden to being a place of suffering and torment until they pay off their karmic dues and return back to the Garden of Eden by creating a divine just state on the planet. Wow. So paradise can actually exist on Earth? No, paradise is for sure on Earth. Wow. Without a shadow of a doubt. Wow. And that is the goal that all of the prophets and the messengers were working towards and for. A return of the Earth to that Garden of Eden. Oh. It is a, uh, there's this tug of war, then this picture emerges of this tug of war that's taking place between two forces, the forces of heaven and the forces of hell, the forces of good and the forces of evil, the forces of God and the forces of Satan, yes. uh, the forces of all of those positive good traits, right? and all of those evil traits and, uh, and light and darkness. And so 
the planets of the entire universe and the universe itself becomes this battlefield where there's these realms and planets and places in the universe that are uh, part of heaven and they don't even know what's going on. They're totally oblivious to uh, even the, the fight that's taking place because they're in realms of bliss and their planets are perfect and the mere idea of rebelling against God does not even exist. And then you have these other planets that are filled with darkness and evil and they're more like, um, you know, hell, hellish type places to live. And then there's these places that are in between, like the uh, planet Earth. Hmm. And so now that leaves us with the question of, okay, well, then where is hell? Is it also, uh, you know, like within our universe? And the answer is also in the Quran, because it says that hellfire is surrounding the disbelievers. Okay. Hellfire is surrounding the disbelievers. Okay. 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 It's a place that's fire that's surrounding the disbelievers. And a person needs no needs to go no further except to go outside and to look into the sky uh, during the day and to uh, feel the heat uh, from the sun and to realize that the sun is a ball of fire Fire, that makes the days so hot sometimes and unbearable on earth that people say it's hotter than hell here, right? And every day it is surrounding the disbelievers. Every day it is in the sky, passing by. um, And uh, yeah. Wow. The, The sun is hellfire. And the earth is heaven. If we can just turn it back, uh, go back into the frequency that at once uh, human beings used to be tuned into. Wow. I mean, that's a, a really fascinating explanation of this, of this very uh, deep topic. And I think that you've answered uh, the questions that many people have. I mean, the question of where is heaven and where is the hellfire? Uh, and these are questions that that nobody has really been able to provide um, a satisfying answer for, and um, and you've you've made the whole story make sense. And yeah, I, I have no words to describe uh, how amazing this knowledge is that God you've, bless you've spoken Tiffany. about and today. You know, there's there's a lot more that can be said about these worlds, um, and 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 there's so much detail that's involved in. You know, the description of each and every one of them. We'll stop right there. And inshallah, if people are interested, uh, we can definitely uh, in future episodes uh, go over uh, all of the uh, rest of the amazing things that take place in heaven and hell. I can't wait to learn more. Thank you so much for for everything that you've taught me today. God bless you. God bless you. Assalamu alaikum.